Today's scripture reading comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. That's 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Please rise for the reading of God's word. So put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is the word of God. Let's bow our heads one more time in prayer. Gracious God, we do not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from your mouth. Make us hungry for this heavenly food, that it may nourish us today in ways of eternal life through Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven. Amen. And so we continue on with our First Peter sermon series, and now we are in the next chapter. And in verse 1, it starts off with so. So is a conjunctive adverb. So means it connects some thoughts together. And so, if we need to read this in the right and correct light, we need to be reminded, what is it connecting? What is the so connecting? It's connecting the gospel message that we received last week through chapter 1. It's connecting that the gospel message was given so we can live holy lives but lives that were made to genuinely love so that we can live holy lives, lives made to genuinely love. And he's connecting that. So, as we've heard the gospel, as we want to live a holy life, as we want to live lives of genuine love, and don't we all want to do that? Aren't we tired of living in a lie, not knowing what the truth is, not knowing what deceit is, finally receiving the good news, finally being able to say, yes, I do want to live a life that is holy because this other life was hurtful, painful, not only for me, but for those that I lived with, I would extend that pain to others. And so I want to genuinely love and so... Peter starts off this sentence by saying, put away. Put away in the Greek, apotithemai, was, uh, was actually a verb that was given. And the picture that you would hear if you heard apotithemai is um, to set aside or get rid of, but it's more like clothing. If you take off your clothing and you would set it aside and get rid of it, that's kind of when you would use this verb. And so that's the picture that you would have, apotithemai. And so you are supposed to take off this garment, set it aside, and throw it out. In fact, the other time that it's used in the Bible is in Acts chapter 7, verse 58. And they apotithemied their garments and laid it at the feet of Saul. When Stephen or Stephen was killed and he was stoned, it said people would take off their garments and lay it at the feet 
of Saul. So that was used there. And so what are we supposed to do with these bad things that he says afterwards? We are supposed to take it off. Take off these things and lay it down. Set it aside. Throw it away. But where? In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, the sins that we carry, the things that we know for sure. You know, I don't want to hurt my family. I don't want to hurt my friends. But the closer it seems that I get to them, the more it seems that I'm going to hurt them. And there's this heavy burden on all, a lot of us, if not all of us, that the closer we get to someone, oh, man. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. And especially true for me in my life, when I open myself up to my wife and there's a lot, sometimes there's all this burden, all this hurt, and sometimes that extends to her. And that kills me inside. That's not what I want. That's not what it was meant to be. I thought marriage was about, about lifting each other up. Indeed, if you want to love one another, you're supposed to lift one another up. But it seems as though the closer we get the more we hurt each other. So what does Paul say? He says, take off these heavy garments, these things that we cannot carry, these things that are hurting other people, and lay it down. But where are we supposed to lay it down? We are supposed to lay it down at the foot of the cross. We cannot carry it. We cannot do it. So you take these things off, lay it at the foot of the cross. And the five things that Peter mentions that we should rid ourselves of is number one, malice, which is evil or wickedness. Get rid of it. Take it off. Evil, wickedness, malice is ill intent. Actions that are actually harmful to others. You got to take it off. Put it at the foot of the, excuse me, at the foot of the cross. And number two, deceit, which is trickery or falsehood. But in today's language, is hashtag fake news. I saw this one um, Instagram post where they put two Wall Street Journal. Um, I don't know if you've seen this. I don't think anybody here would because it's not our circle. It's more like the people in the Midwest or South would see this. And it says, if you don't think the media is... Um, pulling wool over your eyes, or if you don't think they're fooling you, think again. And it was a Wall Street Journal, two Wall Street Journals, same date, but it had two different um, titles. And one was, Trump softens his tone, and the second one said, Trump talks tough on the wall. Trump softens his tone, and Trump talks tough on the wall. And the caption read that, if you don't think you're being fooled, then think again. And it had another smaller caption saying that these were Wall Street Journal editions in different areas. So depend, they were claiming that depending on different where you live, the Wall Street Journal would give you a different kind of, um, uh, you know, title and talk differently, different editions, right? But the truth of the matter is that wasn't really true. It was the same date, the same Wall Street Journal, but one was printed in the morning before Trump gave his speech and talked to the Mexican president. And then the second one was later in the day when, after he talked to the president. So the Wall Street Journal does take time to you know, edit and redistribute um, once they get updated news. And in fact, they actually mark it. 
depending on which edition it is. So if it's like the second one, they have two stars on it. And this time, it was the fourth one, so it would have four stars on it. But it would be distributed to the same place. So it's not like they were saying it to different places and catering to different demographics like the Instagram post was purporting. And these days, we're all thinking, who can I trust? What do I believe? Can I even trust the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or whatever news um, that we're absorbing? And there's so much deceit, trickery, and falsehood, and everybody's calling each other fake news. People on the right calling the people on the left fake news. People on the left calling people on the right fake news. And there's a lot of deceit, trickery, or falsehood. And Peter is saying, look, if you're doing this on purpose, you got to take this off. you got to take it off. And if you're posting political stuff online, then do at least do your due diligence. Um, you know, there's basic sites out there that'll do the math and um, do the research, read the stats, and that could have been easily, easily taken care of. But I saw all my friends in the Midwest and the South there posting this, um, and I'm just like, what's going on? Um, so. That's one. If you feel like, you know, there's trickery or falsehood in you, he's saying take that off. Number three, hypocrisy. Um, hypocrisy is from the word actor in Greek. And the way they acted was when they would act, they would put on a mask. So hypocrisy is masking the evil inside by an outward show of righteousness so you act all righteous but really you're evil inside he's saying take that off actors wore masks why do you why are you wearing masks don't wear masks and people may ask well how do you know how do you know someone's being hypocritical and the question i like to ask is is there anything else besides the surface when someone approaches me or someone else? Is there anything else besides the surface? Because surface really is a mask. People can smile at you, say hi to you, but is there anything deep that goes beyond that? And if there isn't, isn't that a mask? If I say something like, um, Ho Young, Ho Young just came back from a trip and he, uh, took a car straight from the airport here. And if I say, oh, Ho Young, you must be hungry. I hope you don't stay hungry. And then I just walk away. Is there anything beyond that? If there's something beyond the surface, wouldn't you say, Ho Young, you must be hungry. In fact, I have a half a sandwich in my pocket. Here it is. And I give it to him. Um, it's nice and moist. Uh, but, you know, if, if there's anything beyond the surface, wouldn't you do that? And so hypocrisy is get rid of the surface level. Stop trying to show that you're righteous and good and get to the underneath. Number four is envy. Envy is you can't be happy for others. I feel like it shows up a lot in our culture today. In, and it manifests this way. Did you hear she got a new job? And then we answer, well, let's see how long that lasts. Envy is when you just simply can't be happy for someone else and you just have to put in that little, you know, smug line in there. Let's see how long that lasts. Ah, 
I'm, you know, I feel sorry for her employers, or whatever the case is. And he's saying, take envy off, put it aside, and throw it out. And finally, all slander. Any speech that harms or is intended to harm a person's status or reputation, etc., whatever it is, that is slander. We have to stop talking and saying bad things about people. Mind you, that takes wisdom, that takes discernment, but it takes discipline. Stop saying bad things about people. Some things that people do can discourage us. It's true. It can hurt us. That is very true, but slander is on another level. Slander is going beyond saying this person did this to me and I feel, I feel hurt by it and going to that person, approaching that person, asking that person to reconcile. And slander is I'm just going to talk about that person and I want to crush that person with my words, with my rumor mongering, with my gossip. That's slander. We have to stop that. And as a church, I pray that none of us would participate in this kind of slander, not just against each other, but against anybody, anybody. You know how easy it is to slander? It's easy because we hear all this crazy stuff about somebody, and then it's easy just to repeat that to somebody else. And to be honest, Slander could be fake news, and it might not. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Any speech that intends to harm or harm someone else is slander. He's saying, take that off. Take that off. I, I feel like in our generation and the culture that we grew up with, that is especially easy because of the culture that's been passed down to us. Um, in even uh, most of us here are Korean. In the Korean language, there is uh, something called a businessman. Businessman. And a businessman is how we got another word for a curse. So a businessman could be referred to as sang in, right? But we actually took that and formed it into a curse. And we now say it with an extra special S, so it's sang. And then instead of in, which is a person, we say nom. And that actually became a curse from businessman. It originated. So even the way we formulate words, even the way we speak about other people can not only be just what we want to say, but it could have been passed down to us that's why we need to be careful. Be careful of how we speak about other people. When I speak, am I bringing and lifting this person up? Or am I pulling and dragging this person down? You know, all these five things have something in common. And if you think about it, they all have a one-sided agenda. All these things seek to harm someone else. Whereas, if we connect the so in the beginning of the verse, love seeks to do them good. All these five things, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, seek to harm others, whereas love seeks to do them good. Verse 1 ends with a period, but actually in the Greek, there is no period. 
in the Greek, verses 1, 2, and 3 are just one long sentence. So you may think as you go into verse 2, oh, it's a new thought. Like newborn infants, let me begin my thought there. But it's not. In fact, these are all connected. So put away, put away all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants is the next line. And we need to see that there is no new sentence here. And as we move on to verse 2, that all these three verses are really just one cohesive thought. So the first part is to put away, get rid of, set aside unhealthy, unloving things, and then be like newborn babies. Be, this first part is interesting because how does it really connect to being like a newborn baby? And Peter, when he is talking about be like newborn babies, a lot of us are referring back to Paul and saying, you know, and his thing is like, oh, actually, he's saying newborn infants. He's saying these things. I'm not a newborn infant. I've been a Christian for like 10, 20, 30, 40 years. That doesn't apply to me. Actually, Peter isn't talking to immature or young Christians. He is talking to all Christians. All Christians be like newborn infants or babies. How? By wanting milk. Pure spiritual milk. You know, parents go through a lot of trouble trying to find the right milk or formula. You know, if breast milk is not an option, do we go for cow milk or soy? Does organic matter? Um, which brand do we choose, right? Enfamil, Similac, Pediasure. Um, do we make sure that there's do, are we looking for extra zinc or add-ons or whatever it is? Not that I know anything about this. This is just something someone told me. <clears throat> anyway, but we go through a lot of trouble to make sure that our newborn infants are fed correctly. And so this is what also Peter is saying. Like newborn infants crave and long for the pure spiritual milk. This spiritual milk is to be pure and unadulterated. No impurities or add-ons that would disrupt the nutrition it should provide. Pure implies that this, and if you continue to read on and even the verses before, there is an implication that this means it's the written word of God. This is the Bible. Scripture is free from impurities or imperfection. It does not deceive. It does not lead readers astray. It doesn't affirm any falsehoods. Scripture is pure. Secondly, spiritual, obviously. Peter doesn't mean we should crave and long for real milk. It's not like, oh, man, I want organic cow milk. That's not what Peter is saying. He is saying that we should be looking for spiritual milk, which, again, would point to the living word of God. The Bible, the scripture, is something that we should be longing for. And to long for, to crave, to strongly desire is the verb that's used here. Don't just go, oh, you know what? Since Joe came up and he said we should do the 100-day Bible reading, I should at least do it once. You know what? I'll just do it. And if it tapers down, and if it gets hard, then I'll slow down. Ah, no harm done. In fact, that is the opposite of what crave really means. Crave, long, so strongly desire means you need to yearn. 
for the scripture in your life. You need to be like, I really, really want that. And that's the question that we struggle with. How do you crave? I, I don't know a lot of people here that would say, oh, yes, there's a Bible reading thing. I'm in. You know what we're going to do on Saturday? We're going to read the Bible all day. I'm in all day, you know. But how do you crave something that you normally don't crave? Isn't that the question? And I believe the hint is in verse 3. In verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now let's think about it. Let's really think about it. This is from the Psalms. Taste and see that the Lord is good, right? If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. you got to think about it. We as a people, we have a preference for sugary and fatty foods, right? Um, they're not energy dense, but the reason why we start craving these sugary and fatty foods is that the brain releases neurotransmitters when they're eaten. So when you eat it, neurotransmitters include things like dopamine and serotonin. It releases these chemicals in our bodies and acts as reward signals. That's why you're like, oh, donuts, that kind of thing. That, that it's the brain releasing these neurotransmitters. So the brain is wired to give us a reward system that's tuned a tune into these sugary fatty foods and that's what leads to cravings and longings and strong desire you know and so when it's combined with a sedentary lifestyle with a couch potato-esque kind of um, lifestyle then that's why we have the adage you know moment on the lips is a lifetime on the hips and, and things like that we say things like this because we we're trying to tell ourselves oh yeah it's not that good but oh man it, it's so good once it once it hits your mouth oh, and it melts in your ah oh, and that's what that's what we're we're saying and it's true you know how can you desire and crave I don't know, cauliflower. That's, that's something I, I just can't get into a lot of times. People are like, oh, cauliflower and salad is good. I was like, what? It tastes like cardboard. Why would, nah, nah, I just don't understand. But what if we could tune and retune our brains to crave healthy foods? Is that possible? For me, this... I believe this may be a lifelong struggle, but it, is it possible is a question that I do ask, and not just me, a lot of people ask it, a lot of people ask it. And there are studies now being done by nutrition, nutritional scientists and people of that sort, and they're printing these articles now, and a recent study was published in June 2014 about it, where they took um, a, a, a study group of uh, obese, and fat people who, who just couldn't eat healthy food. And what they would do is they would put them in, uh, under a functional MRI. Uh, functional MRI or fMRI is they would measure the brain waves. And when these people would eat these foods, they would scan the brain waves. And indeed, like when you would eat a donut, like activity would be going crazy. Like, ooh, this is good stuff. Eat pizza or a burger, it would go crazy. And then you have broccoli in front of you and just dies. It's like black and white, that kind of thing. But they were doing this. And then what they decided to do is they decided to put them on a diet, uh, exercise regimen. And they did it until they lost weight. And they showed them, this is you that lost weight. 
And then we, we want to show you that it's because you ate these healthy foods and exercise. <clears throat> and I do believe it's true. You really want to be healthy. It's 95% of what you eat, 5% of exercise. It's really like a big glacier. You know, the exercise is the stuff that you see on top, people hitting the gym and things like that. But that 95% is exactly what you consume. And I see deep wisdom in that, especially as Peter is even saying, crave pure spiritual milk. And so after they did this, they started to show them, oh, you know what? Now that you're in a healthy, you know, um, state in your life, we're going to measure your brainwave activity again. And indeed, it changed for almost all of them. The brain areas that were processing rewards when they had these sugary and fatty foods died down. And when they started eating other stuff that were healthy, it increased. And they're trying to figure out why. Why is it that as you get healthy, you, your brainwave might change? And it was in their thought process. In their thought process, they said, you know, if I gain weight, I can't fit into my jeans. And I've had too many sweatpants days, so no more. And they would literally think that. Another person said that they needed to go out with their friends, so they need to look good. I, mind you, this seems a little vain, but, you know, just being true to the study that was published. And so if you really want to know the study too, please come up to me afterwards, and I'm, I'll be happy to share the study with you. It's fascinating. And what became, what was unappetizing at first became appetizing. And what was appetizing at first became unappetizing. And the reason was they have tasted and they have seen and they have experienced for a brief while a healthy life. Peter says the same thing. He says in verse 3, if indeed you have tasted and seeing that the Lord is good. If you have tasted indeed that the Lord is good, then crave and long, strongly desire this spiritual milk. Yes, as time goes on, even I realize that my health habits are changing. What I desire to eat strongly is changing. In fact, I actually love broccoli and spinach now. I don't, think, I don't know if it tastes good, but to me it tastes amazing. Anything with broccoli and spinach, I'll just eat. I'll, I'll still eat cake. I mean, don't, don't not give me cake. And I'll still eat nuggets. I'm not there yet. I'm not saying I'm there yet. But I'm saying that I really love and enjoy sometimes some of these healthy foods. And there was this one article that I read a long time ago. I think it stuck in me. Uh, broccoli and spinach help increase in testosterone production. And I need a lot of tea because I'm getting older and tea goes down. That's just a fact of life. So I need anything to help my tea. I don't want any tea boosters. I, people my age, when we get together, we talk about that. <clears throat> All you guys are younger than me, it's fine. Once you hit your 40s and 50s, you start talking about, should I take tea boosters, which are, which are short for testosterone boosters? And I would say, no, no, don't do it. Because once you take it, you're just going to be addicted to it. Just take steroids. They might as well just take, just go straight for the real stuff. As a joke, I'm not promoting steroids. If you're listening, um, but anything to help naturally, wouldn't you like that? And if you see results and your lifts are getting better, you're getting stronger, you're getting healthier, you would enjoy the benefits that certain things that you're ingesting are giving you. And in fact, every time I see broccoli, I 
I actually want it. This is, I'm not just making that up. I'm trying to be real with you by saying I still like strawberry shortcake and I like, you know, pizza. I, I just do. But it starts to change. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good and you had this taste of living a spiritually healthy life where you can actually love one another, then he is saying stop craving these terrible things for your body and start longing for the good stuff. The good stuff that's going to make you strong. That's going to give you all the nutrients that you need. Why? And here's why. It's time we grow up. It's time we mature. It's time to stop being a baby and mature in our salvation. And that is what he's saying, that you may grow up into salvation, that you may mature into salvation. It's time to grow up. You know, <clears throat> we are currently doing this basketball league, and it's, I think, for me, it's a love-hate kind of season. I love it. Because I used to love basketball. I used to love it when I used to score, when I used to grab rebounds, when I used to be able to run down the court. I hate it because I can't do any of those things anymore. Like, none of those things happen. I jump, I'm like, oh, the fadeaway jumper. And I'm like right below the rim, so I'm like a foot away. I could have easily laid it up. I do this fadeaway jumper and I shoot it, and it's like an air ball. It's like nothing but net, but it's like an airball, nothing but net kind of action going on, and I hate it. And then I'm, my knees are sore throughout the whole week. And so there is, there is a love-hate relationship that I have with basketball, but I really enjoy watching our young people play and them getting really excited. And if someone's scoring, the struggle in their head for like a split second, do I foul this person? Do I foul them hard? Do I foul them not hard? That struggle that they have and then 99% they just follow them hard anyway. But at least the split second, I want to tell you, I see it. I sympathize. Stop hurting other people though. But um, the question is this. How long are you going to be satisfied doing dribbling exercises? How long are we going to be satisfied just doing layup exercises? How long are we going to be satisfied living like babies and not doing the real thing, saying, you know what, I don't need to grow up. I'm fine. I just want to stay my level and do the dribbling exercises for the rest of my life. And Peter is saying, that's crazy. Why would anybody want that? Don't you do the dribbling exercises and the layup exercises and the passes and you warm up so that you can actually play? You know, there, is, there are deeper truths to the word of God that we were meant to discover and not only discover, discover, but live out. So how long are we going to be satisfied with just exercises? Don't we want to grow up and mature in our salvation? And if that's the case, he's saying long and crave for this pure spiritual milk. Take this Bible and start loving it, read it, absorb it, live it. And that way we can mature in our salvation. You know, in this Lenten season, let's start our spiritual diet by longing for the word of God in our lives. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this amazing word and the scripture that we've been given. And too long 
have we been afraid to struggle with hard truths so we were just satisfied with comfort food? But Lord, no longer. By the power and conviction that this Holy Spirit gives us, we realize that it's time for us to grow up and mature. We know that this is only possible by your grace. And so as we lay down and put aside the things that we must, help us to long for the pure and spiritual milk that you offer us through your word. Let's take this time to pray. And let's reflect on what we've been given. If indeed we have any type of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, let's put that down and aside. And like newborn infants, let's pray that we can long for, crave, strongly desire pure spiritual milk so that we can mature in our salvation. Let's pray.